In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us here in the Most Blessed Sacrament, we have begun our holy season of Lent, of this time, of entering more intently into the three classic practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Um, I remember hearing someone, I think it's Cardinal Dolan, describing Lent like the, um, like the spring training for the church, that this is, this is a time to really focus on getting back to the basics. And even if you're you know, a World Series winning baseball team, you still need spring training, right? You still got to just go out and get back to the basics um, so, that, so that perfection can flow from that in the season. And so Lent is our time of, of getting back to the basics. And Jesus of entering into this, this time with you. Uh, our Lent is an accompanying of you, and particularly the Catechism of the Catholic Church um, states that it's an accompanying of you in the desert, uh, which we're going to read about this weekend. By the solemn 40 days of Lent, the church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. And so Jesus, as, as we enter into this Lenten season, I think it's so important that we don't just see Lent as a type of self-help. We don't just see Lent as a burden. We don't see Lent as a... Um, uh, I don't know, just a lot of stuff that we have to do. Uh, No, Lent is a time to accompany you in the desert. We hear, we're going to read it from Luke's gospel this weekend, how you spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert fasting. And so we, your church, your friends, right? Where where are your friends, Jesus? And and so we, we go to the desert with you. If you're going to go in the desert, and fast, that we every year kind of enter into that desert with you, to be there with you. I've always, you know, I I tell married couple, or not married, I tell engaged couples, and in general, it's just good advice um, for anything uh, in life that we find difficult, that's a burden that we don't want to do. Well, do it with someone you like, right? Do it with someone you love. Do it with a friend, right? If you, if you got to do something, do it with, with friends. Do it with people you like being around so that even though the, the task itself is difficult, you, you like being with the other person, right? And so if you're, if you're a married couple and you love each other, um, but neither of you likes doing laundry, we'll do it together, right? Just work together because at least you like each other. And, um, and that, that love for each other can, can carry through that. It's spending time together doing something difficult, uh, and so that whenever we, want to, we have to do something we don't want to do, well, do it with someone that you love. And it becomes a little bit of an adventure, uh, and it becomes something that we can at least enjoy being with the person we love. Well, I don't want to enter into Lent, uh, and Lent could be a difficult time. But Jesus, I love you, and you're in the desert, and so I want to go with you. I'm your friend. 
right? I'm the tag along here. And, and you're going into the desert to do something tough, to fast and to do battle with the devil. And I want to be there with you. And so we accompany our Lord in the desert. If, we, if we've seen Lent as like this alone thing, Lent is all about me. I'm so focused on me. Well, no. Jesus, Lent is all about you. I mean, it's all, everything. Easter's all about you. Christmas is about, everything's about you, right? But it, Lent, Lent is about you. We're keeping you company in the desert. And we're going to make our, our small little sacrifices that are nothing compared to what you did. And even just on a human level, right? It's nothing compared to the battle that you do with the devil. Um, like, you're the champion. I'm not even the warm-up act. Like, I don't even know what I am in this. Like, you're, you're the champion. You're going to fight, you know, the devil. And I'm, I think I'm so great sometimes, but, like, I'm not stepping to the ring with the devil. Um, but I have to in my own way, with your strength. Um, I'm even called to do battle with the devil in my small little ways. Um, but on a human level, like, Jesus fasted. For 40 days and 40 nights, we, we hear in the gospel, and Luke, Luke is, you know, pretty good at being detailed. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit for 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing in those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. Jesus, you ate nothing. And we could interpret that as, oh, well, he had some stuff. Right, it's 40 days. He, he had to have something. He probably had some, like, you know, roots, whatever roots grow, maybe cactus, fried cactus. Like, no, Luke is, tell, is pretty clear. He ate nothing. So even when I think my Lent is so tough, I'm going to give up a little bit of YouTube, like a very specific part of YouTube, not even all of YouTube, just a little specific part of YouTube. And I think that's so tough. Well, Jesus, you didn't eat anything for 40 days, right? You fasted, no food for 40 days. Oh, Ash Wednesday, I'm allowed to have my one, one meal and my two snacks, and I'm so hungry. Well, Jesus, you ate nothing for 40 days. Like, even on a human level, I, um, my fasting, no matter how tough I think it is, it pales in comparison to what you experience. And so when we think that we are, my Lent is so tough. Like, Jesus, you live Lent. That fasting in the desert. And if we consider the desert, right, the wilderness is this translation. I, I don't know what the translation of Mass says. Maybe it's, it's the desert, right? It's the, de- it's the desert. The desert is empty, and it's rough, and it's dangerous, right? It's empty. There, there's, a, there's a serious void going on in the desert. It's not civilized. Um, it's just big, empty space. And at first, maybe, maybe that seems cool, right? Like, let, I would love to get away from people for a little while. And if there's nobody around, like, thank goodness, um, get away. You know, it's empty. And so in Lent... Being in the desert with our Lord, there should be a type of emptiness that, that may, and maybe we're already experiencing it, that we gave something up and we're kind of feeling the, the lack in our life. We're feeling like, oh, I, that there's something that normally should happen here, right? 
Again, using the, I, let's say you gave up food for all of them. Let's say you weren't going to eat it all during Lent. Like, yeah, at mealtimes, there's something I'm supposed to be doing here. And it feels empty because I don't know what to do for that time I would otherwise be eating. And so we should enter into the empty, right? This is, our, this is the desert. When we feel that, that emptiness of the thing that we gave up, we feel the whole Enter into that emptiness of the desert. We're there with you, Lord, in the desert, in the empty. The desert's also rough, right? It is a um, sand, it's coarse. There's not a lot of shelter. Usually if you picture, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm from the city. I don't even know where the desert, I've never been in a desert in my life, um, right? I've flown over some deserts. I looked at them on maps. I'm assuming the desert's a rough place and that there's no shelter. It's, 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 a, good, it's a good guess, <laughs> but the desert's rough, right? I don't even like the beach. The beach is a little too sandy for me. Um, and the desert is just sand, a lot of sand, and it's rough sand. And it's not, it's hot, maybe, depending on the time of year. And then it's cold. And it's just not, and maybe for us, Lent is rough. This is a rough Lent. I'm not good at the, I feel uncomfortable. I feel, I feel, you know, sand, sand, think of sandpaper. Maybe that's the closest I come to a desert, some sandpaper, right? And sand, it's rough, right? Scrape stuff down. And so what's the desert going to do? It's going to scrape us down. It's, um... It's rough, it's coarse, it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable at all, we'll get back to that. Um, but the day, you know, maybe our Lent is going rough. I'm not comfortable right now. Uh, and that, embrace that, live that. We're in the desert. Lord, we're in the desert with you. And when we feel that lack of comfort and that desire, the desire for comfort, um, that Lord, no, I'm, I'm in the desert. I'm in the desert with you, spending this time with you in the desert. And then the desert's dangerous. It's a dangerous place. Um, it's dangerous, first of all, most important, because the devil is there, right? Jesus goes to the, to the desert to do battle with the devil. And so the fact that the devil is there, like he's the enemy and he's there. This is, um, for us, Lent is a bit of an away game, if we're going to go back to the, the baseball analogy, right? This is, this is the devil's home turf. So it's not just about kind of always fighting on our territory, but rather it's where we're invading enemy territory. The devil has taken a certain amount of land, and we're, we're taking it back. We're going into his territory, and it's dangerous there. And on a physical level, it's dangerous. Like, again... You see a wild animal. Hi, there was the other night, um, I'll be very honest. The other night, as Father Gutierrez and I were getting back from something, we saw a raccoon right near the garage, right? There's a raccoon. I said, oh, a raccoon. How nice. Better than a skunk. Uh, but there's a raccoon walking around on the snow. And then uh, pulled into the garage. And I didn't want to get out. I mean, I was in the garage, so okay, we'll get out of the car, make sure it didn't follow us into the garage. I shut the garage door before getting out of the car. And then I'm like, I don't want to walk from my house, from the garage to my house, because there's a wild animal out there. And I, I'd rather just stay in the garage. It's cold in the garage, um, but I there's a raccoon. Who knows if it's hungry? And uh, Father Gutierrez, you know, the brave man that he is, opened the door. 
And he's like, oh, look, <laughs> right? And I jumped. And he's like, I'm joking. It's nowhere around, right? Totally, totally scared me. Um, but it's like, there's a wild animal. Wild animals are scary because they're not civilized, right? They'll attack you because they're crazy. And if you don't have a garage, a car, or a house to hide in, um, then, then it could be dangerous, maybe. Maybe the raccoons probably aren't that dangerous. Maybe they are. Um, but they, uh, whatever else is living out in that desert, it's wild. And during Lent, as we start cutting back other stuff, there could be some wild things that come up. And there's just situations where I don't have my old fallbacks and my comforts. I don't have those, the safety blanket this Lent because we're in the desert and it's dangerous. And, you know, we have to not be so comfortable. We have to be willing to, to enter into the danger of, of Lent. It's a dangerous time. Now, not danger with regard to, to sin, right? We don't, we don't, if things cause us to sin, if sin, things are potentially sinful, we don't, we don't play with those, we don't flirt with those. Sometimes the smartest thing you can do, most of the time the smartest thing you can do is run away, right? If there's an occasion of sin, just, um, just run away. Um, but we need to be willing to, um, we need to be willing to turn, to you, Lord, in the midst of that danger uh, and be willing to, to face, face it, um, the danger of the cross, the danger of, of our, our unrefined humanity, our wild humanity even, right? That sometimes we could be more, more dangerous, more wild than a, um, than a crazy raccoon uh, and, or, or perfectly cute, fine raccoon that I just think is crazy, um, but we have to be willing to enter into that danger. Because Jesus, you're there. You already went, right? You, you went into the desert and now our job is to keep you company. That we accompany you along the, the path of, of prayer and fasting, and almsgiving. We fast with you in this particular way, entering into the emptiness. And so we hear that... Now what's interesting is... St. Luke kind of, Jesus gets baptized and then goes into the desert. But Luke, right in the middle of that, that's where he puts the genealogy, right? And it's not just because it's like, well, we've got to get this in here somewhere, right? Um, it is, yeah, the, the baptism is the kicking off of our Lord's public ministry, which then he, he really initiates with this time of fasting and prayer. But there's something deeper because what is Luke? Luke's genealogy different than Matthew's? Matthew ties Jesus to, to Abraham, to David. But Luke is, is going even further back um, that the genealogy all the way back to Adam, that Jesus shares our humanity. And so in the temptations, and Lord, in your victories, you are victorious in your humanity. Right? You don't use your divine power to overcome the temptations. Rather, you do them entire. You are victorious entirely in your humanity. And you share our broken humanity. Now, it's perfect. You're perfectly human. But you share our, our humanity. And so you're victorious as a human. Saint, uh, the Navarre Bible comments that by conquering every temptation, Jesus shows us how to deal with the snares of the devil. 
It was as a man that he was tempted and as a man that he resisted. And then it quotes St. Ambrose. He did not act as God, bringing his power into play. If he had done so, how could he have availed uh, of his, how could we have availed of his example? Rather, as a man, he made use of the resources which he has in common with us. Jesus in his humanity is victorious in his temptation. And so we can learn from him. We share that humanity. And so we can learn how to be victorious. And so what are the three temptations as we read them this weekend? Um, Well, first, Jesus didn't eat for 40 days and was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread, right? You're hungry. Satisfy your hunger, right? That first temptation to bread, right, is a temptation to physical pleasure, um, that we want to we want to satiate our our physical comforts and you know it's just we want to be comfortable we want we want those worldly consolations we want that that sense of fullness and that is the the kind of the first level temptation that that we face in our our humanity in this Lent if we want comfort if we just want to go back to just these base level human um, comforts and needs, right? Uh, And when we give those up, we give them up for good reasons, right? It's good to eat, right? We have stomachs. Our stomachs run on food. We have the ability to digest food and turn it into energy. This is good. God created it that way. We're supposed to eat. We're not all supposed to be fasting our whole life. God created it that way. Good. And so we live that good. But we need to be willing to be able to do without it. And at times when you go without food, then you can live that, you know, discomfort and you could offer it to God. Same, you know, the, the comfort of being well-rested, right? It's good to get sleep. It's good to get good sleep. But at times, you know, we, we give up sleep for important things. And, that's, and then we experience the discomfort of being tired. Okay, and then we embrace that discomfort. And so maybe this Lent, if we're trying to, to live a little bit more disciplined with regard to our prayer life, and we're going to get a little bit less sleep, we're going to be a little bit more disciplined about getting up on time, whether we slept or not. Well, okay, I'm going to experience the discomfort of, of being tired. And, oh no, turn that stone into bread. Just take a big nap, right? Take that stone of time of work and just skip out and just take a nap. That, that'll, you know, turn that stone into bread. As well, the, um, the human good of reproduction. And that's created by God, and it's a good thing. But those who are not married are called to abstain um, from all forms of, of sexual pleasure. And that's something that, that needs to be lived in when, it, when it's uncomfortable. And those who forego marriage for the sake of the kingdom and live a life of chaste celibacy and the way that God calls people to that. And when there's the discomfort, it's like, look, human sexuality is a good thing created by God. Um, but when the devil says, no, just that, if you just fulfill that desire, that'll be it. No. You know, that, that's something that has to be confronted in Lent, not just go and pursue um, these basic level human um, pleasures or comforts. What does our Lord respond? It's written, man shall not live by bread alone. 
It's not just by the things that give comfort or pleasure or satisfaction that we live. No, that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? We live by what God gives us. Man shall not live by bread alone. And so it's ultimately in these things we don't find the, the meaning and the purpose of our life. And so in Lent, it could be the time when we do without those comforts. And whenever, whatever it is, however it is, it's like, yes, this doesn't ultimately fulfill me. This is not the thing where I'm going to find my, my final beatitude, my final happiness. And that when those temptations come on that base level, we have to um, turn to Scripture and we have to live, them, live it with our Lord. And in Lent, I think I mentioned it already today, it definitely happens on Ash Wednesday. I know I was talking to some people Ash Wednesday. Like, on Ash Wednesday, when you can't eat, you get even hungrier. And there's some that are saying, well, you can't do that. Well, then now, now it's even worse. Like, um, I, I usually don't eat until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I'm a millennial, so it's called skipping breakfast, but I call it intermittent fasting, right? And, um, but usually, you know, and on Ash Wednesday, it's like 10 o'clock, and I'm like, I'm so hungry because I can't eat, right? And it's like, I normally don't eat. If someone offered me food at 10 o'clock, I'd say, no, I'm fine. I don't eat till later. I'm not even hungry. But on Ash Wednesday, because you can't do it, you're like, oh, I need this. I really need this. And when those, um, when those feelings come up, you know, that's the desert, and Lord, we enter into that with you. In Lent, it, because somebody tells us we can't do it, our stubborn pride wants to say, but I want it all the more. If I chose, if I just choose this on my own, whatever, because somebody says, this is the time to fast. You're not going to eat meat today. It's a Friday in Lent and you're Catholic. No meat at all, no matter what. Well, I could do without meat anyway, but because someone told me I can't do it, I want it all the more. And when our stubborn will and our senses just, just you know, roar, then we have, to, we have to respond with Scripture. It's not by bread alone. It's not by bacon cheeseburgers alone, right? It's not by extra sleep alone that we're meant to live as human beings. No, we live for the glory of God. And I remember St. Jose Maria Escriva would say that he wanted to, to die um, like a... Like a you know, squeezed lemon, right? Like when, when you get a, a good lemon, you're going to squeeze it into a drink and then it's just all kind of squeezed out, right? And there's nothing, it's not, you gave every, it gave everything it had. Um, he wanted to die like a squeezed lemon uh, that gave everything it had. To die tired, right? If someone dies well-rested, like I'm so well-rested and I die, like what a waste, right? It's good to die tired, right? To die kind of really worn out, from the, from the battle of life, uh, that's something we should aspire to. And so it's not by comfort alone that we live. It's not by bread alone that we live, but rather by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the second temptation. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I'll give it to whom I will. If then you worship me, it shall all be yours. I'm going to give you power. You're going to be in charge. All authority, I can give it to you. If you worship me. And that, that's the temptation, again, to, to want to be in charge. Um, that we're going to do it. It's going to be um, 
I make the decisions. I'm the boss. I will give you all authority. I'm going to give you all power. Now look, who has all authority? Who has all power? Our Lord does. Lord, you have. You have it all. But the devil, you know, the prince of this world, saying, I'm going to give you all of this if you worship me. Right? What a, what a terrible just image that God would worship the devil. And how, how foolish that is for, for that to even be suggested. Right? How grotesque. But that's what sin is. Sin is ultimately totally grotesque, right? When, we, when you really pull back the veil of sin and you see what it is, it is, it's gross, right? It's disgusting. It's also terribly boring, right? It's grotesque. That's what sin is. And we dress it up and we make it look so nice and we say, oh, look at our sin. You know, my sin, it's so nice. I got to hold on to it. It's so cute. No, it's grotesque. It's gross, right? And that that is... Um, that's what it would be like if God worshiped the devil. And the devil is going to give power and authority. My way. I get to be the boss. You know, there, there's, I was talking to some priests about this. And it's like when you're a seminarian and you're just like, you know, when I'm a priest, everything will be so much better. It's all going to be so good, right? When I'm a priest, I'll, it'll be so much better. And then when you get ordained and you're an assistant, you're like, when I'm a pastor, my life will be good when I'm a pastor, right? And then when you're finally a pastor, you're like, well, when I'm the pastor of four more parishes, then my, then my life will be good, right? That'll be it, when I have all the rest of the churches. And then it's like, no, you know what? It's never gonna be, it's never gonna get better, right? And it happens too, like when you're, when you're in grammar school, when you're in eighth grade, you're like, when I'm in high school, then I'll be cool, right? When I'm in high school, then that's when like, then you get into like freshman year, like when I get my driver's license, then, every, then life will be good. And then you realize like cars cost money and gas costs money, insurance costs money. Well, then when I'm, when I'm in college, right? When you're in college, like when I get a job, when you get a job, again, you realize like, oh, okay. Um, so no, when, I'm, when, I'm the, when I get a promotion or when I get married, right? And just like, it's always like this next thing. No, right here and now. To not be grasping at power some other place. To not just want that. Right now I'm called, no matter what my situation of powerlessness may be, to not blame the situation, to not blame, say, in some other case, things will be better. Brother, right here, right now, how am I being called to, to live holiness? Power. And what does Jesus respond? It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. Right? God is to be worshipped. Only God. All power is God's. We, we pray in the Mass, in the doxology of the Mass, at the end of the Eucharistic prayer. Through him, with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours. And so whenever we feel that temptation to just want to grasp at power, we should pray that amen, whether we sing it or recite it or whatever it is, amen. All glory and honor is yours, Lord. Amen. Okay. Then the third temptation, the devil takes him to Jerusalem, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's written, he'll give his angels the charge over you to guard you and on their hands he'll bear you up. So notice Jesus is responding with scripture and the devil, the devil can quote scripture too. Pope Benedict talked about um, agents of the devil being those who study scripture in order to pervert its meaning and turn people away from God and to explain it away in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, that they're agents of the devil. The devil is a scripture scholar. Uh, here. He can cite scripture too. Throw yourself down. Tempt God, right? On my terms, 
This will be lived on my terms. And that temptation to say, God, it's my terms, my holiness on my way. If you're God, prove it to me. Throw yourself off the temple. If God's God, he'll, he'll fly you away. No. Jesus answered, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't tempt the Lord your God. We don't anticipate. It's, it's God's, God's way. This is all done in God's way, in God's plan. Lord, serviam, right? What is the devil's motto? Non serviam, I will not serve. And so we can respond with a good serviam, I will serve. That's actually one of the best ways, morning offering, first thing, or anytime we're facing a challenging situation, and I don't want to do this, and I'm rebelling, Lord. My terms, my way. No, serviam. Serviam, I will serve. I will serve. I'm in I'm part of the team. Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus goes into the desert and combats the devil. He, does, he fights the devil. He's our king. Our king goes and does battle on enemy territory for us. And he's victorious. And it's not over. It's just getting started. Right? It's, Luke gives us, again, this very kind of haunting um, thing. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed for him until an opportune time. Right? Until, until a later date. The devil's going to come back. In this Lent, we're going to fight stuff. And maybe we, we may be victorious, but the devil will be back. And we're going to have to work again at it. And so um, we have to turn to our Lord. Uh, Jesus teaches us how to, how to be victorious. We'll just finish with, from the Navarre Bible. Um, what do we learn? How does Jesus teach us to defeat the devil? He wanted to show us the methods to defeat the devil. Prayer, fasting, watchfulness, not dialoguing with temptation, right? You don't, you don't kind of try to negotiate with it. Having the words of God's scripture on our lips, right? Being ready to, to quote scripture, to, to turn to God and putting our trust in the Lord. Lord, we put our trust entirely in you. Mary, we ask you to pray for us this Lent. Um, our mother knew how to live this life of holiness. Uh, she crushes the head of the ancient serpent, right? Uh, And so she can teach us how to do battle with the devil. As we enter into this desert time, we're in for the long haul. We're going to be in the desert for this whole season of Lent. We're going to live it all the way. And so Mary, help us. Help us to live Lent in a good and holy way uh, so that we may do battle with your son and be victorious. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.